0: Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a lesson from John 14.
1: What does Philip think will satisfy the longings of his heart? We want to see God. Show us God, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus is in such unity with God the Father, it allows Jesus to say, if you've seen me, you've seen him.
0: Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, senior pastor and Bible teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. For three years, the 12 apostles walked with Jesus, witnessing miraculous events, hearing parables, and gaining insights into the scriptures. But despite being in God's presence, they failed to fully comprehend the profound nature of his identity. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve explains that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. It's a lesson from the upper room. And you can listen online at The Journey, Here's
1: Pastor Steve. I think you won't be surprised today that we are talking about God, our favorite subject. Talking about God, but here is where it gets challenging in the uh, aspects of God that we're we're talking about in that uh, this is kind of a head-scratching kind of subject we have before us today. We know that the disciples were... uh, scratching their heads, presumably. They were confused, and uh, what was happening is, in the upper room, Thomas and Philip ask Jesus questions. And Jesus takes the answer to those questions and dives into the nature of the Trinity and the nature of the relationships within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, And so we are talking about the Godhead today. And I ran across this uh, statement, maybe you've heard it before, regarding the Trinity. Try to understand it, and you will lose your mind. Try to deny it, and you will lose your soul. And we don't want to lose our soul. uh, So we are going to lose our minds instead today. Ironically, last week, I had somebody between or after the services that came up to me and said, I have a question. Do you have to believe in the Trinity to be saved? Now, that's an interesting question. You might think about how you would answer that. And I'm going to tell you my answer to that later in the message. I'm just priming it there, so I'm just going to set it right there. We'll come back to that here in a little bit. So we are back in the upper room, and we find the disciples bewildered by what Jesus has done and what he has said. They're bewildered by him washing their feet. He is the rabbi, he is their leader, and yet there he is crawling around on the floor washing their feet. The disciples are bewildered by what he said, including the things that we have before us today, and Realize that Jesus made these statements to them. They had like seconds to think about what he meant by that and give a response. We've had two millennia to ponder and to think about what Jesus meant, so advantage us. But realize the disciples didn't have All these years of church history and theology and all the things that we have definitely are advantaged. They're just there in the room having a meal, and Jesus is laying serious theology on them. I think you'll get what I mean here in just a moment. So the Trinity, for 2,000 years we have scratched our heads about it, tried to understand it. This sermon is not going to resolve all of the issues. And if I get done here and you're like, I didn't understand that at all, I didn't get your sermon at all, I'll say, there was a good sermon then. Uh, I've preached it well, if I confuse you. So the questions that they are asking are, Jesus, where are you going? He said he's going somewhere. How do we get there? And will you please show us the Father? Okay, those are the questions. Here's the text. And I'm gonna go all the way back to the beginning of John 14, okay? We've been working through this here for a little while, but always good to just get the flow of the whole thing. So John 14, verse one, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And now we're into the fresh text. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Now, that last little section is on prayer. There's more on prayer to come in the upper room. I'm going to just, we're going to set that aside and maybe come back to it later in the series. We're going to focus on the, on the other verses here. And as I was studying and preparing and thinking about how to teach what Jesus is saying here, I spied a helpful clue. And if you look at the text, you'll notice that in the English, there are a lot of W's. Okay? A lot of W's. And in a way, my theme in this whole message is going to be W. I'm going to annoy you with W's in this sermon. Hopefully, this will be something that uh, will catch with you. Now, the, the, this was written in uh, first century Greek. There is no W in Greek. This is an English thing, but I think it's a helpful little teaching tool, and so I'm going to work it over exhaustively here in this sermon. To speak of W, have you thought about the letter W? What a majestic letter W is. I am blessed to have a W in my name, and not only do I have a W in my name because I am of the Dutch uh, ethnicity, the W is capitalized in my name, which is kind of cool when you think about it. And if you look at my name, you're like, man, I wish I had a name like that with a capital letter, especially a capital W. You might want to think about marrying a Dutchman because the Dutch often capitalize strangely letters that are not the first letter of their name. So D. Witt, capital D, lowercase e, capital W, I-T-T. So cool, so Cool. Now, with that said, if you go back to chapter 14, notice that in verses 1 through 3, they are all about where Jesus is going. And as we saw, he is going to the cross, he is making a way to the Father. Thomas says, How do we know how to get there? which is the second W, that Jesus is the way to the Father, the only way for sinners. The core of our text here has to do with who, which I might add also begins with a W. Who is Jesus? And Jesus says that he is of the same nature as God the Father. And then we come to find out that the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus, did you hear the W's? Are actually the same as the words of the Father and the works of the Father. I just think all these W's is it's wonderful. Okay, there's more to come. Okay, there's more to come. So I'm making it easy if you're taking notes today. Uh, just put W's down the left side. Okay, because we're just going to be filling in W's all the way through here. And we begin with what he starts with, Jesus that is, and that is, who is he? Who is Jesus? Look at verse seven. This very, I don't know, kind of puzzling statement. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Jesus is gonna say here that if you've known the father, if you know me, you know the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Now our temptation here is going to be to see this in the kind of language that we often use when we meet a dad and a son or a mother and a daughter or it can go you know interchange in there we tend to view this as a resemblance we'll even say that won't we you meet somebody you see the kids and you're like oh he he favors his father doesn't he or she favors her, her mother. We see a resemblance. Sometimes you might even see the way that the son or the daughter walks or carries themselves, and you're like, that looks a lot like mom, or that looks a lot like like dad. In fact, it's uncanny how much uh, kids resemble their parents. Now, perhaps for you, this is a troubling thing as you think about your own self, and you realize that we're all in the process of just becoming our parents, basically. Uh, And so um, that's not the point of this sermon, but it could be the most troubling aspect of the sermon for you. So we might look at this and say, okay, Jesus is saying that he's the father, I'm the son. I resemble the father. If you've seen me, you've seen my dad. Like, if you know me, it's kind of like you know my dad, because I resemble my dad so much. And if we were to say that, we would be wrong. Now, wrong sounds like it starts with an R, but it actually starts with a W. I hope you appreciate all of this. You would be wrong, okay? He is not saying, I resemble my father. What he is saying is much more profound than that. So here comes Philip now. Okay, Philip, who you may not be familiar with Philip. He's not really one of the best known disciples, especially in the Gospels. He says like a couple things. This is one of them. He's probably most famous in Acts for evangelizing the Ethiopian eunuch. If you know that story, you can look ahead to that if you would like. That's Philip's shining moment. Not a lot known about Philip, but here he very boldly speaks up in the upper room In verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Now, the the NLT gives the sense of this where it translates it, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Now, I think that little statement, if you're reading your devotions uh, during the week, you could very easily see that and sort of quickly slide by it and not realize what Philip is actually asking Jesus to do here. What does Philip think will satisfy the longings of his heart? We want to see God. Show us God, and that'll be enough for us. No small request, Jesus. And if you know your Old Testament history here, then you also know that this is a, an impossible request. We go into the Old Testament, and God makes it clear that human beings cannot visibly see the essence and the glory of God. We can't handle it. You say, well, where does the Bible talk about that? Well, here's a good example would be Moses. Okay, so last spring we studied Moses. I'm sure you're all very still Moses conscious, you know, from that series. You might remember that Moses, there at Mount Sinai, wants to see God. He's been talking with him, but apparently he's not actually visibly seen him maybe seen his Shekinah glory but has not actually seen essential God and so he makes the request here's what it says Moses said please show me your glory and God said I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name the Lord but he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live And if you know the story, somehow mysteriously God's goodness and presence passed by Moses. He couldn't see it at that moment, but somehow saw the backside of God. And by the way, you realize that God is a spirit. So whenever we talk about the face of God or the loving arms of God, these are known as anthropomorphisms. Okay, This is how God helps us understand what he is like. He describes himself in human terms, but God does not have arms. He does not have a face. Thomas asked Jesus how to get to God. Philip asked Jesus to see God. And both of these questions reflect the deepest longings of the human heart. They both reflect what all religions of the world try to provide to us. How do I get to God? How do I behold God? A lost humanity wants to be restored to its creator. And that includes you, by the way. You might think what you need is lunch or a snack or sleep, but what you actually long for in the soul of your being is you want to be reconciled with your creator. You want to see God, okay? And so we see in the questions here, these aren't just random. These are, these are true to the longings of the human heart. In a way, they both speak for all of us, okay? They speak for all of us, and they ask Jesus the deepest troubling questions of our heart. We long for closeness and intimacy. We want to know the way to God. And so you would expect that Jesus would say, finally, we're on a level. I've been waiting three years to be able to talk with you about this. But that's not how Jesus responds. Look at verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? When I was in seminary, I had a professor that whenever a student would ask a dumb question, he would throw chalk at him. And I may or may not have dodged a a little chalk in my time with this particular professor. Uh, But it's it's almost like Jesus does that here. He like throws chalk at Philip like, really? You're going to ask me that question? You've been with me all this time and you still don't realize who I am? This challenging statement, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I want you to think about this with me. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And where we are right now is at the epicenter of Trinitarian doctrine. The Christian belief that God is a unity, there is only one God, but that within that one God, mysteriously, There is a plurality. There are three persons within the one Godhead, each one distinct, Father, Son, and Spirit, yet mysteriously, eternally, united together in a oneness that is so absolute that we rightly say there's only one God. We are not polytheists, we are monotheists, there's only one God. And yet there's three in the one. You get that? I don't either. But to be clear, here is the math, just to lay it out, here's the math of the Trinity. One plus one plus one equals one. Now kids, do not take this math to school. You're going to flunk if you take this kind of math to school. And we see here, though, that... Doctrinally, Philip is flunking. Jesus says, you're not getting it here. You do not realize who I am. In what way? Okay. In what way does Philip not realize who Jesus is? And I would say it's certainly not on the humanity side. Why? I would say having a human being wash your feet, feeling his fingers on your toes, the towel on your foot, Being in proximity to him like that has a way of you sort of getting the humanity side of Jesus. So helpful. Certainly human. To say it this way, Philip's Christology was solid on the humanity side. What he fails to realize is the point that Jesus is admonishing him about, which is that Jesus is in such unity with God the Father It allows Jesus to say, if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you know me, you know him. And earlier in John, Jesus says it, just puts it right out there. This is John 10. Uh, And he says this, and they want to assassinate him. Jesus says this, I and the Father are one. Okay, one plus one equals I and the Father are one. And the Jews, who are, you know, the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one, is the foundational truth. That's their John 3.16, I had somebody tell me once. They couldn't handle the thought that maybe somehow, what do you mean you and the Father are one? You're here, he's there. One plus one equals one. Get him. And they picked up stones to, to kill Jesus. And Philip can't get it either. Like, he just is, what are you talking about? He doesn't realize that the one who is reclining at that dinner table with him is God himself. Now, the reason that John includes this, and the other gospel writers don't, is that it fits into John's overall mission, which is to convince anybody that reads John that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world. And to get the fact that he is God, united with God and God himself, fits into the overall theme of John. We see this at the beginning of his gospel. Here's John 1:14. And the word, code for Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What's he saying there? Something very special about this one who has come the son of God, verse 18, chapter one, no one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the father's side. He, Jesus, has made him who the father known. And so you read the John and you read through the, the rest of the New Testament and the writers are over and over trying to convince us that this Jesus was God. Okay, was God. Colossians 2, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, and for most of you, I don't have to convince you that Jesus is, is God, that he is the, the Son of God. That's what got you out of bed today and got you here. We are not just worshiping a great leader or hero. We are worshiping God himself, Jesus. But what I want to do today is, is to help you realize the gravity of this truth.
0: You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt in the first part of a message titled, See Jesus, See the Father, from the Upper Room series. And remember, if you ever tune in late, you can find and replay all of Pastor Steve's messages online at thejourney.fm. Well, life is a journey, and the Word of God is a compass and a lamp unto our feet. When we lean into its wisdom, God lights our path and imparts purpose to each step we take. And that's why each day on the journey, we share God's Word with listeners around the country through the radio and the web, enabling them to nurture their connection with Jesus Christ, or perhaps accept Him for the very first time. But as a listener-supported program, we couldn't do it without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gifts of generous friends just like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel. To listeners all around the world. So would you consider giving today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And when you do, we'll say thanks by sending you Decision Making and the Will of God. It's a book by Gary Friesen. Most Christians have been taught how to find God's will, yet many are still unsure whether they found it. In this book, Friesen examines the prevalent view on God's will today and then provides a sound biblical alternative to the traditional teaching of how God guides us. You can request your copy of this practical book by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. I'm Tim Svoboda. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve concludes today's message titled, See Jesus, See the Father. That's Tuesday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.